Amen. Don't let me op- don't let me put my uh, oh, cut my microphone up up in front of that speaker again. Look, I dumped water everywhere. It scared me to death when that happened. Amen. Praise God. So good to see y'all today. I love each and every one of you. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad everybody's come. We have visitors here today. We're so excited to see you as well. We thank you. We're honored to have you. You're a big deal to me and a bigger deal to God. I say that at the end, but today I want to tell you right off the bat. We are presently doing a, uh, a series. We're on the last week of the series called The Fight. The Fight, right? And we've talked about fighting um, for your faith, fighting for your freedom, fighting for your marriage. And this week is fighting for your family, whether it be your home family that you have at home with you that you live with or your church family, right? Uh, mainly the family that you have at home. And we've talked each week. I've opened up by talking about Muhammad Ali and about um, George Foreman and Joe Lewis and all kinds of different people, you know. And, and a lot of you ladies are like, I don't know none of that. I don't know nothing about the, the, those um, boxers and stuff. <laughs> boxers and stuff. Um, so today, I want, I want to tell you today that, that another thing that, that is, uh, seems like there's a lot of fighting going on is in wrestling, right? Wrestling. And I don't know if any of y'all are any, any WWE fans. And, and uh, you know, they, 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 I used, as a teenager, I used to love it because they would take like two by fours and hit each other side of the head and, take chairs and beat each other, pick somebody up on, on a ladder like 14 rungs and slam them through some, some, some uh, tables. And I'm just like, dude, this is incredible <laughs> as a teenager. man. I was just loving it, you know, and it was really good. I, I, grew, I grew up, with, you know, where we had a, a Wahoo McDaniel and uh, Miss, Miss, Mr. Wrestling 1 and 2, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, um, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, uh, Nikita Koloff, which is a Christian now, Ric Flair, <laughs> now, listen, you know, you know Ric Flair's old. When I was a teenager, you know, Tuesday I'll be 55. Bam. You know what I'm saying? I still, still got it. Happy birthday. But anyway, but, but when I was a teenager, I was watching Ric Flair, and he just like last month had his last fight. <laughs> I was like, good Lord, that cat is old. And he's out there, and he was pitiful, man. He walked out there on a walker or whatever. It was pitiful. But anyway. But, you know, my, my favorite was Wildfire Tommy Rich. Y'all probably not might know him, but he was my favorite, man. He had long blonde hair. Boy, he would throw that thing back. He looked good. He was a man. Um, but some of you ladies are like, I still don't get it. Okay, let me help you ladies. Maybe you know The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, right? Okay. Uh, some of you ladies are like, yeah. And the husband's like, stop it. He just talked about marriage last week. Um, maybe John Cena. You know, you can't see me, right? Um, or even The Undertaker. Um, the Undertaker, what's so really cool about the Undertaker, he walked in, there was this big old dong, this gong, dong, when he came in. He walked in there, a lot of times he was in caskets and all kind of evil stuff. But did you know that, that Andre, I mean, that the Undertaker is today saved, he's a Christian? And I think that is so incredible, that, that what, the persona that he had, and now he is a Christian today. But anyway, for the, la- the last uh, three weeks, today's the fourth week, we talked about life is like a fight. Okay, and life is a fight, and life will batter you and beat you down. If you don't have Christ in your life, for, um, and, and Christ to help you through this fight, you will fail and you will get beat up. But as long as you have Christ in your life and, and, and Christ is in your life and you're fighting from victory, not from defeat, and you take a blow by the enemy, an uppercut, you know, God's like, you know what? I see you just took that. I, t- I see that the enemy does knock the wind out of you. I got you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to make things better. I'm going to turn it around for, the, for your good. He meant that blow to take you out, but I'm going to take that blow and let it build you up. Amen. And so, so, but I mean, unlike, unlike, I was so sad when I finally found out um, last year that, that WWE, the wrestling, was not real. <laughs> you know, 
I, I just wanted to believe it. I was like, but, but you put somebody up there on 25, 30 feet in there and slam them through a table, that has to hurt. You know, but other than that, everything else was choreographed, and they, they cut themselves with blood. It's just crazy how they do it, but, man, it just, it's just so entertaining. You know, but it's not real. But the fight that you're in every day, the fight that I'm in every day is real. There's no, there's no staging. There's no setup. It's a real bloody fight to the end. Um, and we know that in Ephesians 6 and 12, you know, tells us that there's a battle for your soul. That that's what he's fighting for. He's not fighting for your flesh. Our flesh will die. He's fighting for your soul, your spirit that's going to last forever. He could care less about, you, about your, your, your tent. He wants you to fight from victory, not from defeat. And he's fighting for that. You know, and it says that, that, that um, in Ephesians 6, and it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and wickednesses and all the demon forces, right? And what's that, what he's really saying there is, you know, as I mentioned the first week, that we like to fist fight. We like to fight somebody that I can see. We like to, to yell, to scream, to fuss, and to, to, to come at somebody because we feel like they're the reason. But, but the thing is, it's not about who we're looking at. It's all about the spiritual realm. And we found out that there's a lot of angels and demons fighting in this room. And every day over your life, there's angels and demons in the spirit realm that are fighting for your soul, trying to give you options, trying to distract you, trying to, to, to detour you to go to where you're supposed to be, where they, where they want you to be at. But it's the real, the, the real enemy is fighting for your souls. But we are, we've also found out that we are fighting from victory, not for victory. That we, that we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, and Jesus has won the victory. He's won the, the universal belt, and because we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus, because he has that belt, we have, we have access to that too. Because he won, we are winners, and he set us up for that. Paul says that every spiritual blessing that comes... Um, Paul says that every spiritual blessing that Christ has, he gives to us. And because he has a blessing of, of being, having victory over Satan himself, we have victory as well. And also, he said, for us to fight in the light, not to fight from the dark. Whenever you were not a non-Christian, you had your old man, your old woman. <clears throat> but whenever you got saved, there was a new creature that was born. All things become new. And so we can't never, once you become new, once you get saved, you turn your heart to Jesus Christ, then you are standing in the light, right? But So what we don't want to do is you're a Christian and then all of a sudden try to start fighting over here, over here in the dark where you can't, you can't see as well. You always lose, you're always defeated when you fight in the dark and you go back to where you came from. You always fight in the light because that light is Christ. He always has your back. But when you try to go in the dark and you try to fight in the dark alone, you, try to, you fight in the dark with secrets, you fight in the dark with all these other things, you can, you can know that you are going to lose. You have to fight from the light. And then, then last week we talked about uh, spouses fighting for your marriage and that marriage was not 50-50. It was 100-100, right? You know, that, so, so, so sometimes you're going, you're going to be given all you got, and all you got might not be but 20%, but you're given 100% of what you have. And you're not trying to say, well, hey, you just blessed me and all that kind of stuff. We also talked about the five love languages. Did anybody go home last week and ask their spouse what their love language was? Anybody, did anybody do that? I know a lot of people had told me they had done it. You're scared to raise your hand now. Was anybody surprised by what their spouse's love language was? Yeah, so somebody said, oh, yeah, okay. You know, listen, I didn't mean to cause issues last week with that. Somebody called, texted me and said, Pastor Doug, I'm in trouble. I said, well, what happened? I'm in a doghouse. And I was like, why are you in a doghouse? And it happens to be they're not here today, so they must still be in a doghouse. So, so the thing is, is no, they, over, they overslept. But, but the thing is, is that, so they said, they said well, the wife asked, what, what love language do you have? Which, which love language is yours? He said, I have, I like the sixth one. She said, well, there's only five. He said, well, the sixth one, the sixth one is the one that I prefer. 
She said, well, what is that? He said, well, I prefer silence. <laughs> and so he's in the doghouse the whole week long. So. And then he texts me back, and I was like, oh, my God, I gotta have, I, we got to meet this week. <laughs> and then he texts me back. He's like, dude, Pastor Doug, I'm just picking. I'm just chilling. It's not, it wasn't true. I was just being funny. And I was like, thank God. Don't, don't put me, do me like that. <laughs> Jesus. I was like, God, he's not the first sign. I'm like, whatever. But anyway, but there's a spiritual battle, but you have to fight this spiritual battle practically. Yes, it is in the spirit, but there's some practical things that we have to do as well. And everything's connected. Your spiritual life, your walk with God, your, your walk with your spouse, your walk with your kids, your, 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 your actions at home, your actions at work. Everything is connected and interconnected in the spirit. So I want to give you some, some advice for practical living. And I want to start off with um, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. And we'll start off, we're going to talk to moms and dads and everybody. We're going to start off with teenagers. It says, uh, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. See, a lot of times teenagers feel like, well, I just can't serve God. I can't honor God, you know, because of the fact that, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not older, I'm not a, an adult yet, all this kind of stuff. But you honor God by honoring and obeying your parents. And it says, why should you do that? It's because God says it's the right thing to do. And then it says, honor your father and mother. Well, it says obey and then honor. What, what it's talking about is, is two things. One is honoring, you know, obeying is cleaning your room up when they say so. Honoring them is cleaning up your room without fussing and yelling and huffing and, bu and, and, and cussing about it, saying all this kind of stuff. Sitting there, you, you do it, you're honoring them, you're doing it with your mouth shut, right? Because, you know, you're upset about it. But then also honoring is when you, when you, you obey them when you're a teenager, but then when you become an adult and you get married and you move out of the house, you may not have to obey them anymore because you're on your own, but you still have to honor them, okay? Honor your mother and father. Listen, but here it is. Listen to this. This is the first commandment with a promise. There's only one commandment that has a promise with it. This is well, the first one. It's the first one. It says, if you honor your mother and father, things will go well for you. Okay? Things will go well for you. And you will have a long, uh, <clears throat> all these dads, are, uh, uh, um, but things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. Now, I don't know. If you don't honor your mom and dad and obey, if, if Satan's going to take you out or if your, your parents are going to take you out, but somehow you're going to have to leave early, okay? So the thing is, but, but, but listen, Jesus Christ obeyed his parents. Now, you may say, yeah, but my parents don't understand. I know more than them. Oh, yeah, you, you may, you may, you know, but the thing is, is Jesus 100% knew more than his parents, but he still said, I have to obey because there's going to be teenagers on earth that's going to need to know that the example that I'm setting. So I have to obey my parents, even though I know more than them, because I have to obey them. Because, and they'll see one day where I was at, what was going on. But I have to obey them. I have to honor them. So Jesus Christ, and he, Jesus got in trouble. We know that. We talked about it before. You know, he went, he, he, they went on a two-day journey, and he was over at, at the, in, the, in the house of God. And they, came, they walked back two days to get him. And they said, where were you at? And he says, didn't you know I was in the house of God? I mean, he might have got smacked. It doesn't say in the Bible, you know, but, but he might have got, got a little, little pop there, right? No, I'm just playing. But, but, but you know, you have to honor them. So, so, so how can I honor them? How can I obey them other than just doing what they say? Because you may think they don't know what they're doing or what they're saying, but the thing is you should know that your parents love you with all their heart. They care for you, you know, 9 out of 10 do. You know, that they care for you, and you're loving them, and you're caring for them. I mean, they're caring for you. They're doing the best they can. One day, you're going to want your kids to know that you're doing your best. Now, is your best always right? No. But you know what? Y'all can work that out together. So how can I honor them? I can honor them by involving them in my life, eating with them, spending time with them, 
talk, asking them how their day. You're a teenager. You still can ask your parents, how was your day? How, what, what's going on in your life? Also, you can take care of them as needed. The older you get and the older they get, they're going to need you to help them because you know what? The fact that you know, they wiped your nose when you were little, and one day you might have to wipe theirs. And we're going to have to do that and do it lovingly and gingerly. And but God's gift of family should, is precious and should be appreciated. So, so, so that's for the teens. But then, then, then I want to tell you this ne the next scripture, um, verse 4, talks about how to fight like a dad. And it's talking about fathers, but it, it includes mothers as well. But mostly it's us fathers that do this. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. And what he's saying there is don't frustrate them. Don't exasperate them. Dads, you'll know what I'm talking about when I say this. Don't push their buttons. When they tick you off, a lot of times you know you want to push their button to show them that you're daddy. You know, or you're mom. Don't, don't, the scripture says don't push their buttons. Don't, don't make it intentionally difficult for them. Okay? Um, and, and so how do, what, what does that mean? Well, don't overdo your leadership. Don't be so strict. And don't be so lenient. I was a youth pastor for 18 years, and I seen the whole bandwagon of it. I've seen, I've seen parents that were so strict and let their kids do nothing, and then when the kid left the house, they went haywire, and they got involved in anything and everything to show their parents, you can't control me no more. So if you're going to live a parent life of control, you're gonna, you, you got them right now, they're gonna, that's fine. But later on, you're going to regret what you did. And then on the other thing, you got, a, you got parents that are so lenient, the kid feels like they have all this freedom, they have no structure, and they go out and do whatever they want to now, and then when it's time and you get fed up with it, it's too late and you can't pull them back in. And so the other thing is don't, you can't over-discipline. Oh, you know, over-the-top discipline. You don't do stuff to crush their spirits and totally crush them. Now, you know, the, the gauge, that gauge is not their opinion of crushing. It's your opinion. Because you're going to crush them every time you say, you're, you're, give me your keys or, or give me your, 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 you know, give, give me, give me your uh, phone or what, your controller, right? But, but whatever's appropriate. And be engaged with them. Ask them. Ask them how they're doing. Eat with them. Eat with them as well. Don't overdo it. They need a parent, not a friend. <clears throat> and that was, that was one of the big things that I talked about whenever I did parent conferences is that they need a friend because what's going to happen is you want to be their buddy so bad that one day when they grow up and they become a parent they're going to look at you and say why didn't you teach me this you wanted to be my friend now I don't have skills and I don't know how to teach my own child because you just you just let me do whatever you just want to be my buddy buddy and so we and why didn't you teach me this sometimes kids need to hear no whether they like it or not they're going to get mad at you they're going to tell you they hate you they will but, they, but whenever something happens bad who are they going to come back to? You. Because they know you love them and you know you care for them. All right? So it says, train them up in, in, in the instruction and the admonition of the Lord. Talk to them about God. Tell them what you're learning. Lead them. Tell them, hey, talk to your, it really it shows respect to your kids. Teenagers a lot of times say, I don't have no respect. It really shows respect when you tell your kids, here's what God's teaching me right now during this time. Here's what God is showing me. God is showing me during this time that I need to have more patience. And your kid's like, Really? You know, they respect your vulnerability. They respect that. You know, what is God teaching me? What is God learning me? You know, um, I'm asking what they learn in church. Ask your kids, hey, what did you learn back there, you know, and, and impact kids? I don't know. Did you learn about Jesus? <laughs> you know, yes. You know, if they, if they say no, then come talk to me, you know, and we'll deal, deal with that. No, we, uh, Miss Amanda and Miss Grayson do amazing. They're always talking about Jesus back there. So, but anyway, do that. Pray over them. Don't just pray over the food. 
pray with them the first day of school, the last day of school is when they got big, big exams. It means a whole lot when your kid's got a big exam. Hey, Dad, Mom, you know, I got a big exam tomorrow. Well, let's just have a word of prayer. It don't got to be long. It ain't got to quote all kind of scripture. Just show them that you care enough that when things go wrong, when things are happening in your life that are struggles, that what we do is we pray. Be real and be honest. One of the greatest things that, that parents miss is not being honest with their child when they're wrong. I'm the mom, I'm the dad, I'm right, and I'll always be right. No, we need to understand, we need to look at our child. You, you will not gain favor from your child ever like looking at them and saying, Honey, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Will you forgive me? I made a mistake. I was wrong in that, in that decision. That will mean the world to them. That will mean so much. Let, okay, you're not always thinking you're right. You're not always trying to be right. You know, fess up to your mistakes and ask for forgiveness. It's okay to ask forgiveness from your child. And, and teach, you need to ask forgiveness from your parents. That will help, that will help um, um, develop your child um, into a Christian. And another thing, you know, you know the biggest thing that does? When you look at your child and say, I was wrong, forgive me, I'm sorry. That lets them know that you're not a hypocrite. That you're not saying one thing and living a different way. And that's the problem with today. Christians a lot of times are called hypocrites. But there's a clinical psychologist that says there's five things that everybody in the family needs. They need acceptance um, from the position of authority, not friendship. They need approval. Not from what they're doing wrong, but what they're doing right. They need appreciation for, um, for, for their part. And when they do stuff, we need to say, hey, thank you. You did a good job. You know, I'm proud of you. And you know what else you need to do? This is, you know, I've always said that, 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 that one of the greatest things you could tell a teenager is that I'm proud, I'm proud of you. You know, stuff like that. Um, or I believe in you is even better, I think. But, but you know something that we need to do to our, our, our children and other and family members we need to look at them and when they do something great we, sh we should be able to look at them and say you should be proud of yourself because what happens is if I'm always proud of you and you're looking for that validation when I'm not around one day and there's nobody around to tell you that and you're not you don't you don't you're not proud of yourself well then what's the, the enemy going to bring depression on you so it's really important to tell kids and other people, tell adults, we need to tell each other. When someone does, you need to look at them, and when they, when they overcome a situation, when they overcome stuff, you need to look at them and say, man, you should be proud of yourself. I know you're proud of yourself for that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Attention and then affections, appropriate words and appropriate touch. Um, when when, when, when we, we get wounded and turn to each other, um, things to give us what our family didn't give us. Whenever what happens is when your family's not giving you that love, then what's going to happen? You're going to go to somebody else to try to find that lack of love that you, that you have, that you're missing. When you don't have attention, you, your, your child's going to go somewhere else to get that attention. You know, whenever they don't have that appreciation or approval, they're going to go somewhere else to try to get that. Because God wants to open the windows of heaven and bless you. And Satan wants to open the gates of hell and blast you. And we got to be in line with, 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 with God so we can be blessed. And our struggle, Ephesians 6, 12, our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the whole realm of demonic force. And he has schemes that are crafted, according to 6 and 11 of Ephesians, schemes, schemes are crafted against us, and flaming arrows are shot at us at will. And many of those arrows, Paul was saying, that many of those arrows are shot at our mind. That's why I said you should be proud of yourself because of the fact that in our mind we're defeated and we're not proud of ourselves. We don't think we're good enough. We don't think we're pretty enough, handsome enough, that we're smart enough and all this kind of stuff. And we've got to know that, you know what, that, 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 that we've got to protect our mind, our mind, protect our mind. So we need to fight, here, some, some more practical things. We need to fight for our families by standing firm. As soldiers of Jesus, our posture never needs to be a retreat. 
Never needs to be a retreat. We always need to move forward. We don't never need to back up. We need to know that, that we have won the fight, you know, because, you know, it, it, it's a setup. You, God's already set it up for you, you to always win. And, and, you know, my favorite movie, Rocky, um, he was always upset at Mickey at, towards the end of the movie because he said, you know, Mickey, I didn't win nothing on my own. You set up every fight for somebody that you knew that I could beat. He says, that was for your good. That was for your good, son. That was for your good. You know, and so that's what God does for us. He's like, you know what? I got this thing set up where you will never lose against the enemy. All you got to do is just get in the ring and fight, and you're going to win. And that's what happened. That's what was happening with Rocky. He always won. And we need to know that we need to put on, and, and Paul tells us, and also in Ephesians 6 and 10 through 20, for us to put on the full armor of God. You know, the helmet of salvation. We need to have our, our, our relationship with God right. You know, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. You know, right standing with God, our right, right living and, and character and, and all this stuff. You know, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. We need to have our faith and a belt of truth. And we need to know the truth and walk in the truth. The shoes of peace and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God in our heart, ready to fight the enemy. And we need to put those things on to win and fight this battle. And a lot of times we don't even realize we're under attack. You know, we, 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 you know, and so that's why we got to be in right alignment with God because we don't even, sometimes we don't even realize. I talk to people sometimes, and they're like, I'm just going through this and that and that and the other. I said, have you ever thought that, that that could be a spiritual attack? And they're like, well, I hadn't thought about that. Okay, then you have the other person that thinks everything's a spiritual attack. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I got a headache. That's oh, a Satan. It's straight from hell, you know. And it may feel like it's straight from hell, but that's not necessarily the particular. You know, maybe you need some caffeine. Stop by Duncan. You know. <laughs> But, but, but we need to know that in our mind that God's, God's grace and his power can, can transform any situation, any situation. And if, there's an, you know, um, and if there's a situation in your life that maybe you have concluded, well, this is just the way it's going to be, I'm going to have to accept that fact, then you, you are out of alignment with the word of God. You've got to say, you know what? Nothing is impossible with God. I don't care how far my child's gone. I don't care if my child's all the way out there to the pig pen eating pig slop like, like the prodigal son was. Um, the, your prodigal son or your prodigal daughter, they can always come back. God can always bring them back. I don't care how far, far anything's gone, your marriage or whatever it is. I don't care what's going on. God can always bring it back. But we have so much apathy. Apathy is a flaming arrow from hell that tries to come against us, and it poisons our posture um, and tries to get us to retreat or at least stop moving forward. You know what? It just is, you know, you hear this a lot, and I say this a lot. Um, it, it is what it is, and in a lot of cases it is, but when it comes to God and spiritual things, no, it's not. It isn't is what it is. It can always be something different. So, so don't give ground, stand firm. Number two, we fight by walking in faith. Luke um, 8 and 50 in the, in the contemporary English version says, when um, Jesus heard this, he told Jerry, don't worry, have faith faith your daughter will get well we have to have faith um and when we see the realities in, of our marriages and and the dysfunction sometimes that happens in our life we have to walk by faith not by sight but we see things happening in our marriages and in our kids and we try to walk by sight what we see and we see them doing this we see them doing that and we cannot take that as, as what's going on we need to say god you ha i have to have faith in you that you're going to turn this around for their good um, faith, faith, when you have faith, faith lifts your head up so you can gaze more at the Heavenly Father. Faith gives you a fight. Faith makes you want to fight. You have that faith, you have that encouragement, and it makes you want, want to fight. 
And um, whenever you have sickness in your family and disease, you know, we don't need to, we don't need to say, well, they, they, have, they have this cancer, they have this, and we're just going to have to just, you know, we know what's going to happen. No, no, no. D- David, he, he prayed, for his, f- prayed and fasted for his son until the moment he died. After he died, then he got up and said, okay. So don't ever give up on a miracle. We have many miracles in this room of people that got healed from all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. And we got to say, you know what? No, I, I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust God. And so um, Mark 9, 21 through 24, it says, How long has this been happening? Jesus, Jesus answered the boy's father. He replied, Since he was a little boy, the Spirit often throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. So that was Satan. Satan trying to kill this man's son or this man's daughter, whatever it may be in your case. But he's trying to kill him. He's trying to get him. He's trying to attack them. And, and, and um, so he says, have mercy on uh, um, and help us if you can. This man looked at Jesus and said, help us if you can. And it, it was, I love what Jesus says. What do you mean if I can? <laughs> what do you mean if I can? I, I'm God. You know what I'm saying? Um, Jesus asked, um, he said, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. A lot of times we have to pray to God and say, God, I believe. I know you can do this. My faith is weak right now, and I need you to help me. Number three, um, we fight by persevering, persevering in prayer. We should never give ground in prayer. We should never back up. We should never retreat in prayer in our prayer room, in our war room. The enemy shoots these poisons of apathy towards us, and we've got to keep moving forward. John, 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. He will bless us. If it's in his will, he will 100% bless us. He will do it. If it's in his will, he will let it happen. And we always need to pray. Pray that. God, here's my plans. Here's what I want. Here's my desires. But, God, if it not be your will, I submit to what you want to happen in my life. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 2, Paul talked to the Thessalonians and said, We always thank God for you all and pray for you constantly. We should be praying for our family at home constantly and praying for our family at church constantly. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, never stop praying. I love how the Passion Translation says it. It says, make your life, make your life a prayer. I love that. Instead of saying, never stop praying, it's saying, just make your life a prayer. And it's not talking about that you're walking around mumbling, and everybody's like, what what did you, you say, Mr. Mumbler? No, 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 I'm, I'm just praying. Oh, okay. Talking to yourselves what you're doing, aren't you? You know what I'm saying? No, so we need to make our life a prayer, but it's just saying that you have a constant thought process in your mind of, of prayer. Um, there, so I want to tell you real, real fast of, of another few things of some characteristics that you have to have in your family, and a lot of families struggle with this. There's two things. One is you need to have playful, fun, playfulness, and creativity in your family. And see, a lot of men don't like to play, right? We want to be serious. We want to be dad. But your family needs playtime. Your family needs to have fun with you. Now, that might look different. You know, one of you, it might be board games. Maybe it might be fishing or hunting. You know, maybe it's just, you know, I was at, um, I was at a funeral this past weekend, and one of the things that was said was, from one of the, the daughters was that her grandma, even when she was an adult, they would take the, ch- the Chiquita banana um, sticker off, and the grandma would chase the, the, the adult daughter around the house and stick it on her, and then she would chase her back. And she, you know, it's just fun, the little things. It don't have to be nothing serious or whatever. But, but a house, if you're going to have a home, if you're going to have a home, there needs to be some kind of fun. There needs to be laughter. Laughter does a heart like a medicine. And so we, your house should not be a boot camp. It should not be a school. 
all the time. And it certainly should not be a UFC match. It, it should be a, a ring. It, it should be fun. You know, so, so um, Ecclesiastes 8 and 15 in New Living says, um, so I recommend having fun. King James says entertainment. So Scripture says have fun because there is nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. They play they, um, they, the way that they will experience some happiness along, the, um, along with the hard work God gives them under the sun. So it don't have to be games, but some kind of fun, some kind of laughter, some kind of joking, some kind of jesting like that, right? Um, and then 1 Timothy 6 and 17, teach those who are rich in the world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable, and we know that. Th they should, um, their trust should be in God, who richly gives um, us all we need for our enjoyment. God gives us fun time. He gives us enjoyment. He gives us things that we can look at and, and, and the creativity. Ecclesiastes 11, 9 and 8 in the, um, the first part of that scripture in, in the contemporary English version says, Be cheerful and enjoy life while you're, long, young, <laughs> while you're young. Do what you want to find pleasure in what you see, but don't forget that God will judge you for everything you do. So he's like, hey, go have fun. Go do things, but remember, you'll be judged one day for what you do, for what you see, and how you act. Psalms 127 and 3. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Children are a reward, right? So I, yeah, so I know this afternoon, mom or dad's going to say something to the child, and that child in this room is going to say, I'm a reward for you. You better remember that. But kid, kids need your time, not your money. And, and I know kids all the time want money, right? But, I had, but as a youth pastor, I had a lot of broken kids over, over, the, over the years. And so many of them would come to me and say, my dad never talks to me. He never spends time with me. All he does is send me money. And that's fine. It, it meets my, need, my temporary needs, but that's not what I want. Okay, so playtime, playful, fun, interaction, entertainment. And then the second thing is that you need to learn and to grow. It's not just all play. Luke 2, 52 and 52. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in the favor of, with God and with all the people. He learned from not just God. He learned from people. He learned from his friend, friends and his family. And he learned from his mom and dad intellectually, spiritually, socially, and um, physically. So I want to go through real quick. I'm going to get very, very super practical right now. I want to give you seven, seven quick things um, of, of things that you need to teach your family. You need to teach husbands and spouses need to teach each other and teach your kids. Number one, how to handle conflict. How to handle conflict. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5.13, show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with one another. See, we need to teach our kids conflict resolution. What do I do when I get a situation? There's a conflict. How should I, how should I react? They need to know. They need, they need to sit down, have a conversation, talk, not yell, not punch, not scream, not be aggressive. But we need to sit down with someone and have conflict resolution and talk about something and admit our faults, mistakes, and also give and show grace to one another. You need to talk to your family about how to how resolve conflict at school, at home, you know, with each other. In the, how we're going to handle conflict here. We're not going to yell at each other. We're going to sit down. We're going to have a conversation. Number two, um, handle emotion. This, this is, this, by the way, this is always you're fighting for your family. Because if not, the enemy wants to say, you need to fuss and cuss and raise all kinds of sin with your family. You, don't, you know, you're telling teenagers and telling this and spouses. You know, I can't believe, because the enemy's going to be pushing your buttons. And we need to know how to fight for our family. Number two, your, your kids and your spouse need to know how to handle emotions. Ephesians 4.26. And don't let, the sun, um, don't let sin 
Don't sin by letting anger control you. Um, or be angry and sin not, King James says. Don't let the sun go down while you're so angry, or don't let the sun go down in your wrath. And what it's saying is deal with it. You know, you need to understand that, because a lot of times in, 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 in life, you, you're either a mute or you're a maniac. When something happens, you just close down. Or you're just a maniac and you just go crazy, right? You know, uh, uh, a skunk, when a skunk gets mad, it sprays everything. It sprays on everything. It just spews and sprays. And a turtle, when it gets mad it get, or gets upset or, or scared, it closes right up in a shell. And typically, if you're married, one of you is a skunk and one of you is, one of you is a turtle. You know, and you're, you either close up or you just spew everything and you're, you're outward. And you need to know how to, to, to do that. And if anybody's nickname is turtle or something like that, I can't help that. I'm sorry. But they need to know not just when they get angry, son, daughter, honey, spouse, whatever, when you, get an, when, you, when you get disappointed, when you get sad, when you get let down, how do you handle that? We need to talk with our family. We need to have family talks about how we need to deal with this kind of stuff. Number three, how do you handle loss and grief? There's ups and downs. You know, and for Proverbs 24, 16, even if good people fall seven times, they will get back up. When the, when, but when trouble strikes the wicked, that's the end of them. See, we, our children and our spouses need to know, weeping endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. The, the sun can't stay dark, but so long. It can't, the sun has to come up. God commands the sun to come up every single day, and he will not allow darkness to stay in your life without the sun rising in your life. Number four, you need to let them know what values matter most. It's not what you look like. It's not your looks. It's not your smarts. It's not sex. It's not money. It's not fame, it's not fortune, it's not popularity. What matters most in your life is your character, your integrity, your faith in God, your forg you forgiving others and being forgiven, you know, how you love. All these things, they need to understand that there's characteristics that we need to have in life and what it's all about. It's not about how you look. It's not about if people at school think you're popular or at work they think you're popular if, or if Miss so-and-so don't like you or Mr. so-and-so don't like you at work, whatever. Because um, 1 John 2.16 says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes from the Father, um, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And then 1 John 2.16, I love the, the Passion Translation, says this, For all that the world can offer us, the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of this world, and the obsession with status and importance, none of these things come from the Father, but the world. So you see, we got these three things, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's what I feel, what I do, and what can I get. Those things will destroy your family, and it will destroy your relationship with God. It's all about my flesh, what, what can please my flesh, what can I do that makes my flesh feel good and happy. Lust of the eyes, what I see, what makes me happy, makes my flesh feel good. And the pride of life, you know, arrogance, confidence, and pride. Lust, money, power, prestige, status, all that kind of stuff. Number five, you need to make sure that you talk to your family about having good habits, respect, commitment, um, good morals, a work ethic, praying, reading the Bible, church, church, going to church, spending time with God. You need to teach your child about paying tithes, about, about repentance, um, not, and not, or repentance not just to stop doing wrong, just God help me stop doing this, but God help me start doing right. See, a lot of times we teach our, our families and, we, and our kids, and they, they think that I just need to stop doing this. Well, if, if you stop something, you need to replace it with something. 
Because if you don't replace it and fill that area with something, the enemy is going to try to put something else there. And Scripture talks about when you clean a house from, from, from demonic oppression and you don't fill it with something, what happens? It comes back seven times stronger. Number, set, number six, they need to know, especially young ladies and gentlemen too, um, not to compare. Galatians 6, 4, and 5. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you have been given and let that sink in, sink yourself, and sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself and don't compare yourself to others. You know, teenagers, young ladies, you need to understand you don't have to compare yourself to nobody. God created you a masterpiece and you alone. Young, young men, you don't have to be big, tough, and rough with somebody else. It, you, God's created you as a masterpiece. Husbands and wives, everyone in this room, God has created you as a ma his masterpiece. You don't have to compare yourself to nobody. God created only one of you for a reason. And if you're, if you're, comparing, if you're trying to be like somebody else and comparing yourself to them and be like them, then you are missing in this world. And you can't put a puzzle together without all the pieces. You are a piece of the puzzle amen try not don't compare don't compare your 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 marriage with somebody else's marriage because there's all kind of elements that's different in yours versus theirs there's might like look good on the outside but i can't tell you how many people i've had in my office that that you would think that oh my god they have a great relationship but it is falling apart in the home you know and don't compare yourself with somebody else's friendships don't compare yourself with somebody else's house or their car or their toys or, or whatever it is. Don't compare churches. All churches are different. They all have different elements. They all are moving and grooving differently. Number seven, care for others. Please care for others. It's not all about you. We need to model generosity. Um, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us think about each other and help each other to show love and good deeds you should not um, stay away from the you should not stay away from church meetings as some are doing but you should meet together you should meet together and encourage one another do this even more as we see the day approaching the day is approaching I don't know if you've already heard about all the stuff that's going on in Israel but the, but the five red heifers are there they've already got the, the the blueprints for the third temple they've already trained the the, the priests for the for the temple they've already done they've got everything laid out and now the red heifers are there the red heifers are two years old right now and they're supposed to be three years um, three years on one day i think something like that and so within the next year or so they're going to be at that age and uh, man prophecy is is so <laughs> happening immediately right now and then I, then yesterday was something else and they were talking about the, um, the, the the supreme somebody from somewhere was talking about the one world government and about how we're going to go we are definitely moving towards digital currency and putting the chip in your is people is happening it is coming quickly um, acts 10, 10 and 2 in the passion translation a devout man of extraordinary character who worshiped god and prayed regularly together with all his family um, he also had a heart for the poor and gave generously to help them. We need to have a, 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 a generous spirit. And Cindy, if you can come, just, just, just play something for me, please. Protection. Protection. We need to have protection for our family. Matthew 5, 4, and 5. Then you will be acting like your Father in heaven. He makes the sun rays on both the good and bad people and sends the rain for the ones who do right and the ones who do wrong. We all face situations. We all face circumstances. We all face good and bad. we got to stay strong and not retreat. We need to take care of each other. 
because Ephesians 4.12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can fight back to back and conquer. Three can even, is even better, a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So if it's just you and your spouse, you fight back to back and you have each other's back. If there's three of you, that's a three-strand cord. It cannot be easily broken, back to back and on, and on one side. If there's four of you, you, you cover all four sides. If there's more than that, there should be no reason that you can't make it in this life, covering and protecting one another. Protecting one another, um, their, their, their spirits. Also protecting them in storms, being careful. We, we as parents are very quick to make sure our kids eat, eat the right things, eat the right vegetables, what we put into our, what eating, but we don't think about a lot about what they put in, into their mind, and we've got to be careful about what we allow them to put in their mind, social media and music and stuff like that. We need to help them get out of the dark into the light. Also, we need to make sure and help our families, teenagers, young adults, in the storms of old age. Psalm 71 and 9, um, David said, And now in my old age, don't set me aside. Don't abandon me when my strength is failing. Man, your parents, your parents have done for you. They, you, know, you may not agree with everything, but they raised you up. They did what they did. You're here today because of them. They're the ones who created you and, 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 um, through with, obviously with, with God breathing breath of life into you. But when they get old, don't abandon them. When their strength is falling and failing, don't abandon them. And then um, Joshua 24 and 15. But if you don't want to worship the Lord, then you choose here and now. Will you worship the same idols your ancestors did? Or since you're living on land that once belonged to the Amorites, maybe you'll worship their gods. I love this. Joshua says, I won't. My family and I are going to worship 